Welcome to the Empower From Within podcast presented to you by Trezal House. I'm your host, Jessica West, founder, author, speaker, and coach. Every week on the show, I share an inspiring interview with an incredible entrepreneur, author, healer, or change maker to tell their empowering story. At the end of each episode, I highlight the key self-empowerment takeaways to help you discover the limitless power you have within yourself to reach for your greatest desires and create the life that's truly worth living on your terms. I'm so happy to have you here with me today and together, let's go within. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're having an amazing week so far. And if this is your first time here, welcome. I truly hope you enjoy today's episode and that you decide to stick around by hitting subscribe on the podcast platform that you're listening to right now. Today, I'm speaking with Jen Snoxel. She's a mindset and transformation coach. She is relentless in her pursuit of transformation and passionate about deep, authentic connection. She loves asking questions and uncovering the deeper mysteries of our world in the quiet, sacred spaces. Participating in the radical mindset shifts and holistic transformation of others is one of her greatest joys. Jen knows what it feels like to be living a life of external success while still feeling internally malnourished, and she loves using her psychology background to support others to step out of survival and into thriving. One of Jen's gifts is being able to open doors into new dimensions of experience for those who are ready for more, but don't necessarily know what that looks like or how to get there. Today's conversation is so lovely. Jen and I have similar stories in that we both have experience with traumatic brain injury, and now we're on similar missions of helping others align with their authenticity and live their greatest life by empowering them to become the conscious creators of their experience so that they can truly begin living their life and not merely surviving. Without any further ado, let's dive in. Please help me welcome Jen Snoxel. Hi, Jen. Welcome to the Empower From Within podcast. I'm really happy to have you here today. How are you doing for starters? Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm doing really well today, feeling grounded and calm. We just got our first snowfall here in Calgary where I live. And so everything is like crisp and clear and clean, but also cold. So I feel like it's a a perfect time to just kind of cozy up and have a conversation and be present today. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. It's pretty cold here too. No snow yet though. Um, But it was like minus four this morning. Mm. So, I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, it's just a matter of time, <laughs> but this is still <laughs> like one of my favorite seasons of the year. So perfect time mm. for a warm beverage and a conversation. And based mm. on like full disclosure, we had a conversation prior to this and mm-hmm. so many, like, it just seems like we have very similar missions. And I feel like this is going to be such a valuable conversation, really so excited. So maybe we can get right into it. And Maybe you could share with everybody how you started on this path to becoming the mindset and transformation coach that you are today. Yeah, you bet. So I've always had a passion for just healing, freedom, transformation, both in my own life and in the lives of those around me. So uh, you know, when I was younger, I was a mentor to lots of different teens. I was involved in children's programs, so we just kind of got a love for it there. Um, then decided to pursue a degree in psychology uh, for my undergrad degree. And, and just, again, that grew out of like loving to support, help people in their journeys and their growth. And also for myself, like really wanting to become the best version of me possible and grow and, and evolve. And so 
Um, that's some of the kind of tangible aspects of it. I feel as though what really led me to doing the work that I'm doing now, though, was not only my background or my education, but also just the passion I have for um, walking people through the really difficult seasons of life. Like I, I incurred a brain injury seven years ago, which you and I had talked about, Jessica, because I know that's part of your story as well. Uh, and that was really a transformational experience for me. It it gave me this like this really deep and powerful experience that required me to take lots of the head knowledge, the stuff that I'd learned and actually put it into practice. Right. So it wasn't just something I knew. Um, it was something I had lived, something I'd embodied. And I think the nuance of that experience, uh, what it really looks like to translate knowledge into experience, into wisdom that you can actually, um, own and transmit to others. I think that was part of what really inspired me to to do this work because having gone through it, it's like you you know the way in a different um maybe on a different level than you do when you've just studied about something, right? Like you've walked it, you've lived it, you know what it feels like to lift yourself out of cycles or rewrite patterns. And I've just, you know, I keep I'm a uh, an ongoing learner. So often just using different modalities too, like whether it's working with your conscious mind or your subconscious mind or your emotions and understanding emotional energy or, you know, working with the body, some somatic work where you can actually move through stored emotions, stored trauma, stored experiences through engaging with the wisdom of the body. You know, I'm just interested in all these different ways that we can actually just become healed and whole. And so my own journey of recovery really became a catalyst for me to not only put some of the things I already knew into practice, but also glean new tools that would support me. And now also those with, I work with, um, to experience, yeah, a deeper level of, of transformation and, and freedom in their lives. So yeah, it's a snippet of, of where, where I was and how I got here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing all of that. And I totally agree. You know, it's one thing to know, like the books, the terminology, like yeah. know the information, but it's a whole other thing to actually experience it. And honestly, yeah. I feel like you can see that just in the way that you explain it to others. And like people could really see it through you and be like, oh, she knows what she's talking about because you lived it, you breathed it. And then you're so, you're that much more able to help others through it because it's not like book smart being like, oh, well, I read this somewhere and here yeah. it is, right? Yeah. It's like pulling from yeah. your own personal experience. So I'm wondering, is there like a real like challenge? Is there like a challenge in your recovery from the brain injury that like really stood out to you and you feel like you were really able to like overcome that? And would you be willing to share that with us? Yeah, of course. And like, I would say there were, there were many different challenges because one part of what I experienced was um, being on bed rest for many, many months on end. And that meant really no external stimulation. I couldn't read or write or watch screens, even talking with people exhausted me. And so it was really this experience of being alone and isolated 24 seven for a really long period of time when even my brain wasn't functional. And so I, I remember leaving the hospital and the doctor was like, you know, giving me the list of things not to do, like no reading, no writing, no screens, no loud noises, no bright, uh, lights, uh, you know, try not to get and try not to get emotional because that's not going to be good for your recovery and try not to think because that's hard on your brain. And I just remember thinking, oh my goodness, what do you mean? Try not to think like, so it was just this really weird experience of lying in a bed, can't do any of these things. And yet somehow I have to be okay. And so I think that experience for so many days, weeks, months on end, um, 
it just caused me to realize all the ways I wasn't okay on it, like on an emotional level, on a psychological level, the things that I'd externally used in my life to make me feel valuable or worthy or good enough when they were gone. It was just this really stripping experience of being so naked and so vulnerable with my own self and recognizing, oh, there are parts of me that I really haven't learned how to accept. I really haven't even faced before. And so, like I said, many challenges, but if I had to pick one that kind of relates to this, I would say the challenge of learning to be okay with myself when I was messy and in process and I didn't have it all together. Um, and I think one of the ways that that slowed down my recovery too, was that there was this part of me that was in resistance to, to where I was. There was part of me that was fighting. Like, I don't want to be not okay. I don't want to be dependent on others. I don't want to accept where I am or what's happened. And so that created this internal experience of, of, of suffering, of anxiety, of, um, you know, even heaviness or depression at times. And so I think the challenge for me, and this took a while to really integrate, but the challenge for me of learning to be with myself in a place of deep compassion and acceptance and love without putting shame or guilt or expectations on on who I was or where I was, was extremely liberating. And that was, but very challenging because I'd been such a perfectionist. I'd been such a people pleaser and a high achiever and really defined by all these external things that then suddenly were just gone. And so I was left with this, this messy human who was just, you know, really not able to do anything for herself, just laid in a bed all day, wasn't of use to anyone. And just how do I love this person in front of me? And, and so it was like the challenge of, you know, I'd given that love and that acceptance and that compassion to many people in my lifetime, but I had never fully allowed myself to feel it or know it. And so the challenge of really getting comfortable with my messiness, my ugliness, my in-process self was um, difficult and extremely rewarding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's always so interesting to me to, to hear different people's experiences, like with brain injury mm. or concussion, and just like kind of the yeah. information that we're given from healthcare practitioners after, like, it's so widely different. <laughs> like, yes, I don't so remember totally. And I don't remember being told, you know, don't do this, don't do that, all kinds of things, unless like, yeah, my memory wasn't totally completely well. So like, maybe they told my mom that I just didn't retain it. that could yeah. very well be. But there was a lot of learning. Like, I remember I had you know, um, light sensitivity and, but I didn't know. Yes. So I went to the movie theater and then got like hit with this huge wow. headache. And so I didn't, I didn't go back to the movies for a good two years after. And then mm. I remember going to a Christmas fair and like, it was so busy and I got like so dizzy and like vertigo and like the lights and the noise, it's things mm -hmm. that you don't think about, but yeah. that really affects you. Like when you're recovering, we yeah. don't think just how much Seriously. the brain is doing at that time until yeah. it's injured. And then you're like, wow, yeah. okay. It puts everything into perspective, but I had to kind of like mm. learn that as I go, it was kind of like trial and error. I'm going to do mm. this. Oh, okay. Note to self. I'm not going to do this for a yeah. couple of years until I'm recovered. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's really interesting that there's not really like a, like a standard for it. However, every brain's different. So I guess it kind of like makes sense too. It's all just coming together yeah, I, in my I head as I'm too. speaking it, but it's yeah. so weird. 
Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I just think it's <laughs> there's so much unknown, right? It's such a, mm-hmm. it's such a, and it is so, there's so much variability in like how people experience it, that it's like lots of people I know who had the experience of a brain injury or a concussion. It's like they, they've had vastly different results and vastly different advice. So it's just kind of a weird, weird one, but mm-hmm. it's interesting it really to hear is. your experience yeah. of just so little counsel and guidance. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm going to, I mean, I had, I had guy, you know, I'll have to look back at the notes. <laughs> thing that I had like really revisited, but it was very much like a blur at that time. And I felt like it was just kind of trial and error for a lot of things. Um, but okay. So it's a great point that you're making to just learn how to like be with yourself. And can you take us through the process? Like how, how did you manage that? And just being there and Mm. getting comfortable and accepting that messiness? Like what were the kind of the steps that you took for that? Yeah. I mean, it was layer by layer, but I would say one of the first things that kind of shifted my mindset in a really valuable way was this, this concept that, you know, we only suffer as much as we allow ourselves to, and that it's really optional. And so I kind of had this, this realization, like most suffering is, is, is rooted in an attachment to a certain outcome. Right. And so for me, I recognized, you know, I'm laying in this bed. I am dependent on anyone. I can't really do anything but I I still have a roof over my head. Like I still am looked after, like I have food. I'm okay. Like for some people in the world, actually my situation would be extremely desirable. You know, Oh, you get to get looked after and all you have to do is lay in a bed and recover. Okay. You know, it's, it's not externally, it's not that bad. Sure. There was some discomfort or some pain, but it wasn't, it wasn't intolerable. It wasn't unbearable. And so just, that was one of the seeds that first planted in me, like, Hey, you're suffering because you have an expectation you should be somewhere you're not. And what if you just let that go? You know, what is it in you that's driving this need to have it all together and be be competent and be healed and be whole and on on this timeline? That's not life. That's actually not how life works. And and I think so so I think for me my awakening it was almost this series of softenings in terms of how I connected to myself and how I related to myself. And I had to come face to face with, you know, the taskmaster in me that was used to driving me to get a result. I had to come face to face with the shame in me that actually was trying to tell me, unless you do whatever X, Y, and Z, you're not worthy of love and really confront the parts of myself that had those kind of core beliefs that, you know, my worth or my lovability was linked to how I showed up in the world or, how I, my capacity to prove that I was good enough. And, and so I think it was, it was layered. It was like just a a process of changing some of my mindsets, looking at some of those beliefs, fueling my, my feelings or my behavior or my discomfort, and then recognizing like, I do have a choice and I do want to change. And a lot of it just looked like sitting with myself in the discomfort. Okay. I'm, I'm really uncomfortable right now. Okay. What if I befriend discomfort? What if I just pull up a chair at the table and say, hey, discomfort, you can sit here. You can be here. It's not it's not enjoyable for me, but you know what? You're here for a reason. And so I'm just going to I'm just going to create room in the ecosystem of my life for you to be present rather than resist you or try and block you or hide you or deny you or avoid you, which it's really easy to do in our society where we have constant things to grab at or look at or distract ourselves with. You know, I had this unique I'm even going to say gift of being so deprived of stimulation externally because I was laying in this bed that I had to confront myself. I just had to be with it um, and learning to be with it and learning to welcome in the fluctuation of 
you know, emotion, because that's all of us as beings. We're we're gonna have highs and lows, we're gonna have ups and downs, and it doesn't have to define us, but when we attach value to it or a definition to it, then it sticks around longer and it becomes this reactionary thing where we're like we're charged towards it rather than just acknowledging, observing, even thanking it. And so I learned even how to thank the difficult emotions or the difficult situations and just like, okay, I, I'm not enjoying this, but thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're my teacher. Thank you that there is there is a message here. There is a lesson and there is a gift. And those three things are something that I actually use a lot in, in work with my clients, just to help them process their experiences. Not to say the bad things are good or, you know, the traumatic things are like all okay. Cause sometimes we are harmed by people or we're harmed by experiences, but it's more so the shift in like, can I glean the message that actually is here for me? Can I f- uncover the lesson and actually receive the gift rather than just, you know, and for me, I struggled with this for a time rather than just feeling like, oh, I feel kind of victimized by life and this experience. This is really terrible. Um, there's no momentum in that space. And so for me, learning to shift the mindset and actually just sit with and be with what was, it was the corridor and the, and the doorway into a deeper type of presence and even communion with myself, learning how to be deeply with all parts of me and extending a hospitality of my spirit and my intention for um, the aspects of myself that before I'd, I'd almost been afraid or or at least at the very least very hesitant to welcome in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that you're saying this and I because it's making me think I mean up until my accident I hadn't really recognized that I wasn't my thoughts or I wasn't my emotions mm-hmm. and just the way that you're talking about it how like detaching yeah. yourself and then really looking at it here and it's it's like not identifying ourselves with those feelings. And so really being able to sit with that and be like, okay, discomfort, what do you have to share? But I'm not going to get like tied in and define myself because then when, like when we start defining ourselves by those, we're not letting a lot of room for us to like transcend that. Right. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. That's well said. I agree with that. It's like the stories we tell ourselves we can get so attached to, whereas if we're just like, oh, it's okay if I'm just observing this rather than being defined by it or being totally enmeshed with it. It's like, no, it's I, like you said, I'm not actually my thoughts. I'm not actually my emotions. So what does it mean to become the observer? The one who sees, but doesn't uh, become consumed by that, which passes through me. Yeah. It's beautifully said. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, so mm-hmm. when I was looking over your work, on uh, your Facebook page, I came across how you help people really become conscious creators. And I love that. And I feel like what we're talking about, we're kind of like diving into, you know, being conscious of what we're creating. And so can you share with us, like to you, what is a conscious creator? Mm, I love that. I, I really find it so exciting to to dive into the idea that we can become conscious creators because uh, I believe the way that the the universe works, we are all creating our experiences all the time, right? We can be two or three people living in the same household, for instance, growing up in a family and have vastly different experiences because of the way our perception shapes our experience. Um, and so a lot of us, you know, go through life without fully recognizing that the thoughts we think, the the beliefs we have, the lenses we look through, um, and then the emotions that we use to fuel things, like that's that's what's creating our experience of life. And and without the ability to have this, 
what I what I call sometimes the sacred pause, where you just you just stop and you observe and you you look at what you're creating. You will just go on unconsciously participating in in momentum that that is often externally produced, right? Something crappy happens in your day and then suddenly you're in a bad mood. And then just kind of one thing after another, you know, spirals out of, out of control. And, and yet if we, if we practice that sacred pause in order to become conscious creators, it looks like having this external thing happen, pausing, observing it, recognizing the invitation to totally give my power away to this thing and get all flustered or pause in that moment and say, okay, this is really irritating. And this isn't the day I want to have. So I'm actually going to feel the irritation, acknowledge it. Then I'm going to set it down and I'm going to consciously choose how I'm going to shift emotionally and create room for the best possible outcomes in this day, rather than just heading on this trajectory that some random circumstance pushed me into um, at the beginning of my day. And so the conscious part just comes in the awareness, the awareness that I actually have way more power than I often give myself credit for that we all do. And if we give ourselves room to uh, observe our thoughts, observe our emotions, become really intentional with, with how we're fueling the things we want to create in our lives, we actually have the ability to um, create so much room for thriving in our worlds rather than just kind of surviving based on whatever's around us. And so I think that's really one of the the key things that makes me passionate about this idea of being a conscious creator is it kind of helps you move from surviving where you're getting by and it's okay, but you're, you know, you're not really loving your life to this place of thriving where you're like, you know what, I believe that I could actually create momentum around a life that I love where I, I'm excited to get up in the morning. I I have a mind and a way of seeing that's steeped in just gratitude for what is and and hope in possibilities for what is is you know at my disposal to to create and and so I think that um yeah I think that for me that that's really the the epitome of what it means to be a conscious creator is you recognize the power you have to actually be the one that is having an effect on the reality around you rather than just being a recipient or a passive um Particip passive participant in momentum that's not even yours to begin with. And that's, I, I feel like grasping this concept is what helps so many people that I work with as well shift their reality and recognize, oh, I was just living in these cycles that I thought that I'd never re really even thought I had an option to do differently. And then when you realize you have the option, it's like your whole world can change. And actually kind of quickly, if you're if you're ready to get out of your way and actually create room for, for a different experience of life. And so um, I know you're passionate about manifesting as well and, and just that those concepts. And I think probably we both have just seen the power and the beauty of like what these, these awarenesses can do not only in our lives, but the lives of those around us or the lives we work with. So yeah, I love, I love that question. Yeah, for sure. And I love your answer. It was so great and perfectly, perfectly explained. Thank you for that. And you know, I see the sacred pause as like a great way to start cultivating that self-awareness because like you're saying, it's the awareness yeah. of like your thoughts and your actions and your feelings and all of that. And mm -hmm. really to me, like, as you're explaining, like conscious creator, it's kind of just recognizing like inside out living, right. That like, we really totally. do have control on the outside world based on how we're feeling internally. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. yeah, I love that. Like everything just ties in so perfectly. And I love how you say that, you know, it doesn't need to take a lot of time because it doesn't, 
it's kind of like no. all up to us. And that's not yeah. to, you know, put pressure on anybody if it's taking a little no. while longer. Like that's totally fine. No. It's all in the journey. Yes. It's all like yes. how it is supposed to be. But it doesn't have to be a very long process mm-hmm. either. I think mm-hmm. when we approach it and we have like the belief and the conviction in what it is that we want to mm-hmm. do. So, so the sacred pause to me, I feel like that's a great, great way to start cultivating that self-awareness. I mean, that's, that's the whole intention about what it is. Um, can you take us through, like, what is it that you like really like the pathway that you kind of take, you know, the, um, one of your clients to, let's say the common client. Cause I know like it varies right with everybody, yeah, yeah. but yeah. what's kind of like the common pathway that you would guide someone through to help them get that self-awareness so that they can really start being that conscious creator. Yeah, I love that. And and as you said, it it's it's tailored to each person. But one of the things I I give to a lot of people to do, or or at least something I suggest to them, is just starting by practicing two or three times a day, setting an alarm. And when that alarm goes off, you pause for five minutes and you just kind of do a check-in. Hey, where am I at? What are the emotions I'm feeling? Where's my mind at right now? What's circulating my body? Where am I holding tension? And, you know, the practice of just tuning in and and being present with ourselves, I think is the precursor to all self-awareness and the sacred pause uh, when you practice it deliberately, like, like that at regular intervals, you know, I, for, for a season, I would do three times a day, just alarms three times a day where I just, I had check-ins with myself. Okay. Where am I at? How am I doing? And it it was the opportunity to reset, reboot, um, and, you know, shift anything that I was carrying or anything I was feeding, right? It's like, where is my momentum today? Am I in, am I in a place where I'm feeling frustrated or stressed or heavy or anxious or, or am I feeling grateful or am I feeling, you know, just kind of calm or neutral and just noticing like, what is the momentum of my day? And am I, am I cool with that? You know, and, and there's, there's two, two components that I think are important when we, when we practice the sacred pause, it's first and foremost to, to extend compassion and acceptance to wherever we are first and foremost, right? Just saying, okay, oh, I see that you're kind of worked up about this right now. All right. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with me when I'm just in process and I'm kind of, kind of messy and that's all right. And do I feel like right now I can shift with integrity? Could I actually make a shift? How, how might I shift the narrative in my head or the story I'm telling myself so that I could actually actually create room for a different experience of life that the rest of my momentum for the day could maybe shift. Is there something I can pause and just be grateful for? You know, gratitude is really disrupting in a beneficial way when it comes to shifting our patterns. And so um, just, just using some of the tools like that, where you just practice the pause regularly throughout your day. So you get used to doing it, you get used to checking in. And then if, if you're showing yourself that acceptance and compassion, but then also asking a question, could I shift? Could I make a shift? What might it look like if I actually decided that I'd like the rest of my day to go a little differently? How could I partner with that? Uh, it just gives us, it's kind of like the training wheels of the practice so that when when difficult situations do surface or when we are confronted with things that are, are harder, we're more in the habit of practicing that sacred pause and we can kind of remember, oh yeah, this is what it feels like to pause and tune in and just recognize where I'm at so that I remember I have options in the midst of a circumstance that might make it feel like I don't. So those are, those are a couple of things that I encourage people to practice just to get, just to exercise the muscle of self-awareness and make it a, a, 
a more regular practice to engage with that idea of the sacred pause. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that so much because, you know, I've been getting questions this week of people asking like, how do I get started on the inner work? And like, how long do I have to commit per day? Because some of these tasks, if you're new to it, it could seem very like, you know, time consuming and like very rigorous. Yes. You need to yes. journal and then you need to meditate and then you need to, mm-hmm. you know, wake up like yeah. an hour early to make sure you can fit it all in your schedule. But I love right. this because it's just doing that sacred pause. So you don't really mm-hmm. need to change anything about your day other yeah. than yeah. doing those little check-ins, right? Yeah. Little With check-ins. The alarm. Exactly. Which I, and I love that about it too, because it makes it so easy to access for people. Like you said, other than, you know, if, if you don't feel like you have that room to commit, well, you can just kind of instill it into your routine, you know, three times a day where you just five minutes, five minutes at a time. And it's just the practice of being present. And in some ways, I think that that's equally as valuable. I mean, they're different, right? I think that journaling and meditating and doing those things are also super valuable. And I think integrating our practice into our way of being is really, really um, just valuable generally. And so rather than just being like, oh, in the morning I do this and then I do the rest of my day, recognizing like, oh no, I'm actually trying to kind of shift my way of being where this becomes a way of life and a habit that I infuse into everything. I think that that gives the transformational practice a lot of longevity and a lot of like um, momentum and traction even because it becomes like integrated into what we do in life. So yeah, I really, I really love watching the shifts actually that occur in people just from that simple practice where they start to become more connected to themselves and more conscious. It's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And like, I feel like it's, it's the perfect starting step because Mm -hmm. while you're doing this, taking these sacred pauses, you're going to start to feel really good. And then you're going to be like, Mm -hmm. Ooh, I want to keep being in this feeling. What more Mm -hmm. can I do? And then you can like, the process could gradually grow. And then you're like, you know what? I feel called to do some journaling and then just like let it naturally grow as opposed to like setting that schedule. And I mean, I'm mostly referring to myself when I first got into this material because I felt like it was very like time chunks and like, it didn't really make sense to me at that time, because again, it's all awareness. And when you're questioning Mm. what you're doing, it's not really working. (laughs) Like that's not the state to be in. And so I just love the idea of just starting. And ultimately we are our own guides, right? We have all the Mm -hmm. answers within. And when we take that pause to really find out who we are and what we're saying within, then we can be naturally guided in the right direction and be like called to want to take the actions that are best for us. 100%. No, I love that. And I think you're right. I think that's, it's an insightful um, thing to notice too, because I do agree. I think that we all have that capacity to deeply be guided by our own internal wisdom. And yet I also think we've often as a society and as a people, we've practiced disconnection. We've practiced tuning out that, that inner guidance system. And so that's where I see it being valuable to have, have practices or to have people or to have you know, communities in our lives that can guide us home to ourselves, right? Because really that's, I think that's, I think that's the, you know, and again, I I do view it as like the sacred service of, of people like you and I who are supporting others in their journeys. It's like, it's really not about us. 
It's really not about us being the experts or us, you know, doing the work or having all the answers. It's about reminding people of who they are, reminding them like, hey, you have the answers. You are powerful. You can know the way. Let, let's together get reconnected to your inner wisdom and your inner guidance so that you feel once again that you have the capacity to navigate in a way that's like going to serve you and serve your highest good. And I know for me, the people in my life, the mentors, the the coaches, the guides that have supported me in my journey, they always, um, well, the ones that I you know trusted or respected, they always guided me back home to myself. They weren't interested in being the the guru and the one who was adored or looked up to or you know applauded for all their extraordinary wisdom. They were the ones who who said like, I don't want to be your, I don't want to be up on a pedestal in your life. I want you to find you. I want you to be you. I want you to be the best you possible and and from the inside out discover what that really looks like. And so let me give you tools and support and and let me be your guide as you return home. And I think that that's like it's such a beautiful, you know gift that we all have, you know, to offer even one another as we learn and we grow and we gain authority in certain areas of our lives because we've gone there. You know, I I really, I really believe and I've observed over the years that, that especially in the work of inner transformation, we can only really pass on that which we ourselves have embodied, right? And, And we can teach on things that we haven't, you know, fully learned or integrated. We can give concepts, but it's entirely different to teach a mental concept and then guide someone into a transformation that is like deeply um, holistic and touches every level of their being. And I know um, both from my experience with others and from people's experience with me that when I really own and embody certain aspects of my of my journey, you know, like like really stepping into self-love and acceptance, overcoming um, an eating disorder. That's one of the things from my story, walking through anxiety and perfectionism and people pleasing, having good boundaries, working through codependence. You know, those are just some of the things that I've worked through in my own life, I know that I have the capacity to support people in those things really powerfully because I've done that. And so when they come under, you know, the umbrella of just my guidance and my teaching for seasons, they are able to pick it up in a different way than one that they describe. They're like, it's it's like, it's more accessible. I can just see it differently than when I just read a book about it. Or when somebody told me about these ideas, it's like, it's like, it's tangible. It's like I can reach out and touch it. And I think to me, that's one of the most mm, profound gifts of really doing the work yourself is like whatever you do and you you achieve, you accomplish, you gain authority in, you then have this gift to offer those around you to the collective. And people, even if they don't know, they can feel that emanating off of you. They can feel that freedom or they can feel that possibility to step into um, the healing or the transformation or the freedom that they're desiring. And so I think, uh, you know, I have deep respect for everyone who chooses to even start on this journey because, you're not only doing it for you, you're doing it for everyone around you, for your family members, your friends, your community, like your inner work, your inner journey. It's it's a gift that will be a, the legacy of your life. It goes with you wherever you go. And so I think that's a beautiful, maybe just, and maybe just an encouragement to anyone who's listening today, who's just thinking about like, oh, well, where do I just get started? Or is this overwhelming? Can I do it? It's like, even just starting with small steps, it's like, it can have big effects, bigger effects than you know, and it and it's for you first and foremost, but it will also beautifully and powerfully benefit those around you in ways you may not even know anything about. It's in 
the fabric of your being. It's in the energy you exude. It's in the the mindset and the emotional, uh, you know, evolution that you learn to embody through the process. And those things are such, such deep gifts. So I just, you know, and so to thank you, thank you to you. Thank you to anyone and everyone who's just begun that journey because you do it for all of us when you do it for you. And it's a beautiful thing to witness when we choose that journey uh, for ourselves and, and then consciously, you know, have the open arms and open heart to be able to uh, give back to those in our midst too. So, so yeah, it's a beautiful journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it absolutely is. I'm so glad that you mentioned that quote about like the transformation because you recently posted that on your Facebook, didn't you? Because when I was looking at it, I'm like, oh, I really like that. I hope we get to like talk about it today. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it really like, you know, even when you're explaining, I'm listening to you, it also like defines, you know, when they say like, you can't truly love unless you love yourself. Like you can't truly care for yes. someone unless you care for yourself. Yes. And it really, yes. Yes. you know, yes. depicts the this picture that Mm -hmm. we're living from the inside out, that it's coming from within first. Right. And so like Mm -hmm. doing this personal work as much as like, it's a personal thing. It's also almost like a selfless thing to do for the others around us because there's that ripple effect. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's so true. And I know exactly what you're referring to. Yes. The quote, and I, I love this and I, I'm sure many people have said it before, but um, you can only meet others as deeply as you've met yourself. Right. And that's yeah. the thing too. And so, and that's the relational component too, right. Is like, we all long for intimacy and connection and true, you know, like true depth uh, with, with those around us. And I think that a lot of, a lot of the time, one of the reasons we're so, we feel so malnourished or we feel so unsatisfied is that like, we actually just haven't cultivated those depths fully within ourselves, even to allow others to meet us there. And so I think, and I I think there are, that's, that's, and that's one of the causes of like really kind of a more existential loneliness where you're like, I just don't feel met. And a lot of times it's because maybe we haven't fully met ourselves yet. And so how can we expect someone to be able to go to places in us that we haven't even gone. And I know for me, that was part of my journey probably about 10 years ago where I recognized, I feel like a lot of people love me, but most people don't really know me. And that's not really their fault. It's actually kind of a gen thing because I haven't known how to go to the deep places of myself and be super vulnerable or see my messy sides or see my shadow aspects. And, and so I haven't been able to offer the fullness of my truth. And I don't, I didn't know what it felt like to really live authentically and to feel free in that. And so that's like, I feel like that's one of the invitations that all of us have as we do the inner work, as we become self-aware, there's, there's, there's a deeper possibility to invite others into those you know, the inner sanctuary of our soul. When we've first abided there, we've created a space there and and then we can crack open our hearts and say, yeah, do you want to see in? Do you want to see into me? I, I, Because I want to be seen. And I, I love what I see, even though none of us are perfect and it's not glamorous all the time, but it's, it's good. Um, and I actually said to one of my friends last night, we were on the phone and she was just describing, like, we were talking about how she'd said to me, you know, like, I'm sorry. Like, I feel like sometimes when I'm heavy, like it's, it's just harder for you. Like it's, it's like, it's, I'm harder to love. And she's like, and I just feel it's hard for me to like, sometimes be, be open. Cause I just, I feel like it's, you know, it's, it's hard for you to love me. And, and I said to her, it's not harder to love you. 
when you're in process or you're messy or there's heavy things going on, it takes a different energy from me, but you're not harder to love just because you're in process. And I think that's the the great lie. It's like, none of us is, are harder to love when we're in our process. We're just, we're just in a space where we require something different. And I think when we can give ourselves first and foremost, that acceptance and just say like, oh, I'm okay with me when I don't have it all together. And when I'm messy, then we can learn to extend and hold that same space for others and just say like, no, that's a lie that you're not as lovable when you're in process or when you're messy. That's not true. And I might have different boundaries. I might say, hey, I love you. I can only talk for 20 minutes today because I just don't have a lot of extra space, but I want to be there for you. And so you can still have the experience of being loved deeply and intentionally without feeling like you somehow have to hide or exempt yourself from deep connection when you're in your process. And it's it's one of the most healing things we can have is you know community and connection in the midst of those difficult or complex times. And so I think, but I think we're practiced, some of us, at least societally, we've practiced like hiding ourselves when we don't feel like we're easy to love or we have it all together because we fear we won't be loved and we will be judged or we won't be accepted. And, you know, some people don't have the capacity to hold us, but the people who really love you, I think there's, there's such a, a yearning for all of us to learn how to crack open that space of our hearts and just say like, Hey, I'm, I'm feeling kind of off lately, but I just, I also want to connect and I also want to let you see into me so that, you know, I can be real with you and be authentic. And, and what if we just did that? What if we learned to do that? And first and foremost, by doing it with ourselves. And because once we do it with ourselves and I can say from experience, I sucked at that. Oh, I was so bad at it. Um, But I learned from doing it first with myself that it's like, oh, it's, it's not so scary anymore to do with others because it's okay if they don't accept me because I've accepted me. And it's really painful to see the mirror of shame coming to you from those around you when you you also feel shame for where you're at. And that's why I think a lot of us avoided because it's like, I can't stand to see reflected through your eyes the shame that I already feel towards myself. It's just too painful. And so I'd rather keep it in. But when we go to that place where shame wants to live and speak to us and say, oh, I'm actually choosing to befriend you and and to to flip this shame story into a, a love story where I get to love me and and my greatest one of the greatest gifts I could ever give myself in my entire life is actually to show all parts of me the love that I truly deserve and and by doing so offer the very healing that the the deepest darkest most broken places of our world are in desperate need of and and then when I've done that and sat that deeply with myself, I can then come to the other and say, yeah, it's okay with me if I crack open my heart and let you see into me, even if you don't understand or do, you don't know how to hold me, because at the end of the day, I do. And I'll go home and I'll be with myself and, and I'll be safe and I'll be loved and I can give that gift to myself. And therefore, I also can extend that gift to all those in my midst. And that is one of the, I would say, the the, the deepest keys and and really secrets to deep connection. It's like first going there with yourself, cultivating that ability to be intimate with you so you can give that intimacy um, also to those around you. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. And like, it'll deepen the relationship that you have with others. And it's making me think because I actually shared this with a friend earlier this week and it's tough work to go within and to like, to go in, like when you're saying shadow work and like the inner child Mm. and like all of that stuff Mm. that we've just like repressed within us, it's really hard. 
Um, but I believe, you know, if we don't go in and do that hard work to like heal all of that, then we can't actually really experience like the full spectrum of the positivity and the love in our life yeah, either, because exactly. we always exactly. have that blockage because we always exactly. have like that shame or that self-doubt. So we don't really allow ourselves to experience that. And so it's almost like, it's something that is so needed, but it's mm. hard <laughs> But it like, is hard. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. But definitely it is. needed to improve our life and to truly be able to love ourselves and others and help lift up others around us through that, mm-hmm. you know, ripple effect. And sometimes even just us showing up as our best self, we don't even have to really say anything to anybody, but people see us. They're yeah. like, wow. They do. It's it's inspiring to others, right? And we mm-hmm. we don't we won't even know who it's reaching when we start exactly doing that inner work. Exactly. And I, yeah. And I think maybe even just to, to kind of for myself to close with this thought too, where it's like, it is, it is a deep initiation and it's not easy. And yet if we can approach it with more of a curiosity or a playfulness, I've found that that has been so beautiful to remind both myself in the past well and even in the present sometimes but my clients of when they're in the midst of something that's really deep or heavier they're like this is intense I'm like yeah and we can also just kind of laugh at it let's laugh at ourselves oh there's hyper responsible this is one of my clients the other day oh there's the hyper responsible you oh she's showing up she's wanting to take control she's intense that's okay we love her hello hyper responsible you you're okay you're safe we love you she's just showing up to the party it's okay and I find if we can bring Again, that just that curiosity. Oh, I wonder who's showing up. Oh, I wonder what they're saying. Oh, this sweet little inner child just really needs some of my loving today. That's okay. You know, and we bring that play and that lightheartedness and also just the tenderness of like, it doesn't have to be so intense all the time. And I used to be very intense in how I approached myself, but now I'm just kind of more like, yeah, like I'm not going to deny there's times where it's really painful and really hard. And if I can just be in that, curiosity and that lightness and that 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 again that childlike playfulness of let's let's dance with the shadows it's almost like extracting from yourself here's my puppets oh I got the perfectionist gen I got the whatever it is this the stressed gen I've got the grumpy gen I've got the angry gen I've got the ooh the really shamed gen I've got the you know just just here's all my players they're at the table we can love them all we can be like whoa dude you're really giving me a month a run for my money today that's okay and and some days they will, and some days it will be like that. But it's also just it's it can be covered in this awareness that like it's it's good, it's all good. And and even in the hard times, we can say, how can I bring some some joy or some playfulness here, or just some curiosity, so that it doesn't feel heavy, even though there there are moments it will be hard, and it is. And that's the that's the initiation of doing the inner work. It's why a lot of people never go there for their whole lives. They don't want to meet that. They don't want to do that. It's uncomfortable. And can we bring the joy and the goodness even to those moments of of intensity and heaviness and then find our way in perhaps just a a more ease-filled experience than we otherwise might have um, believed we could uh, have. So that's maybe my last thought is like, as you engage in this journey, recognizing, yeah, it's hard sometimes and it's, it's intense and you have to be willing to sign up for that for some of this work. But you can also bring the joy, the play, the curiosity that makes it feel just just a little less serious than you might try and convince yourself that it has to be. And that, I think, keeps you on the path in those moments when it is difficult because you remember it's like, it's okay if I also just 
allow this to be an active an active love towards myself in a in a you know from a curious posture in the the vein of play where i'm just kind of playing in this human experience and figuring out how to love myself and love others and be a decent human as i you know go through the ups and downs and the undulations of my soul and so yeah thank you for creating the space today to have this conversation because i think it's one that um just has the potential to be so powerfully transformative um in people's lives when we say yes to the journey and and say yes to to going deeper within ourselves so we can fall in love with the beautiful beings the powerful beings the you know deeply capable beings that we actually are so thank you for creating the space today jessica yeah, absolutely. And Jen, like I'm totally feeling you because, and I'm so glad that you said human experience, because as you were talking, I was just like human experience, human experience, like totally. And I feel like it might be like my, as as existential kind of like experience, um, with my traumatic injury. Um, yes. but I really did embrace this, this sense of like, this is all an experience. And I feel like when we just accept it for what it is, then we can, mm. like you're saying, approach it with the lens of curiosity and be like, okay, mm. I'm going to make the most out of this experience, even though it's negative. What can yeah. I learn from it? And this experience won't last, right? Everything mm. will continue passing like this too shall pass that saying. And yeah. so like, you know, as hard as it is, I feel like when we take the stance of like, this is the human experience and I'm just getting to experience all like the deep, you know, crevices of this experience. Um, yeah. then we can get that sense of acceptance and just like, Ooh, what's in store for me. Um, yeah. So beautiful. Everything that you shared today, Jen, like this was mm -hmm. honestly, I mean, just exceeded the expectations. Like I knew this was going to be an amazing conversation and I'm really so glad to have you here sharing everything that you did as a last thought. Did you want to let everybody know where they can find you if they would like to learn more? Yeah, of course. Um, so I am pretty active on Facebook. And so you can find me at uh, Jen Snoxel. It's just my name, Jen Snoxel on Facebook. I have a private Facebook group that's called The Soul Resurrection. And every week I record a live show where I just dig into uh, topics that are related to personal transformation, mindset mastery, uh, manifestation, sacred self-care, and just really create um yeah, just create room and space for conversations around these topics and and growth and and depth uh, for people who are who are interested. So yeah, I would love to love to just offer that or extend that invitation to anyone who's interested in going deeper on on these topics. So thank you again so much for having me, uh, Jessica. So lovely to dialogue with you and just share again some of I think we share some of the the same values and same awarenesses that are and same passions for like the transformation that is so. Um, has first and foremost, I guess, been such a huge part of our journeys, but now that we also love to just like bring and extend to the world as part of our, our sacred service and our giving back. And so thank you for, yeah, just creating room for these conversations. They're so valuable. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and thank you for being here again. I so, so appreciate mm -hmm. it. It was so wonderful chatting with you today. I truly enjoyed every minute of that conversation. And I hope you did too. Here are today's self-empowerment takeaways. One, be okay with your messiness. We're human and being human can get pretty messy sometimes and that's totally okay and natural. We are not defined by our messiness. Neither are we defined by the external things or the status. We're not defined by our position that we hold, the job that we have, the financial status in our bank account. We're not defined by any of our material possessions 
We are worthy. And when we can cultivate that self-acceptance and accept where it is that we're at, we can really transcend any of the negative experiences that much sooner. Two, you are not your thoughts, feelings, or actions. And this becomes really apparent when you begin to be the observer of your life and look at your thoughts, feelings, and actions through the lenses of curiosity. Three, we only suffer as much as we allow ourselves to suffer. This is such a great point. And it reminds me of a quote that I've also heard before that goes like this. Pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. Our suffering is really generated in our mind. It's not the experience itself. Of course, we're going to feel pain when we've been physically injured or even emotionally injured, but we do not have to suffer. We don't have to prolong that pain any more than it needs to be. And oftentimes it's with the expectations as Jen describes in the episode, the expectations that we set and the belief that we hold on our state of suffering that can keep us stuck. Four, practice the sacred pause as Jen calls it. Check in with yourself at regular intervals throughout the day to see how you're doing. You can ask yourself questions like, how am I feeling? How am I thinking? How have I been showing up? How would I like to show up? How would I like this day to go? And you can start making yourself a plan or little tweaks in your thoughts, feelings, and actions so that you could create the results in the day that you would like. This is such a powerful tool in self-awareness and really becoming the conscious creator of your life experience. Five, life happens from the inside out. We can't truly love someone unless we love ourselves first. We can't truly forgive someone unless we forgive ourselves first. And we can't truly connect with someone if we haven't really connected with ourselves within and really discovered who it is that we truly are. And so everything really does begin within. And what we want to see on the outside world, we first cultivate within ourselves. As always, I would love to hear your biggest takeaway from today's episode. So please leave me a rating and review on the podcast platform that you're listening to right now. And if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, please go ahead and answer the question that I asked in the episode page itself. I asked, what is your biggest takeaway from this episode? And I would love to hear from you. Also, if you are watching this episode on our YouTube channel, please go ahead and put your takeaway in the comment section. Again, I would love to hear from you and I cannot wait to read your takeaways. Thank you so much for being here with me today. And until next time, be empowered. Thanks for being here. I hope you got just as much value out of today's episode as I did. If you feel called, please leave a rating and review of this podcast and share this episode with someone who you feel would benefit from the conversation we had. It's going to help us reach more people. And this is just one way that we can all help empower each other from the inside out.